Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Behind the Gram. I'm Kaylee Ingham and I just love Instagram and all the amazing things it can do. In my podcast, I want to talk to as many people as possible about how they use social media, in particular Instagram, to grow and scale their small businesses. Today, I am talking to Jo from Mad and Sad Club. When I say that Jo is the queen of boundaries, I am not joking. She is all about supporting and coaching people to help them protect their mental health in the business and employment worlds. And while we do start off discussing mental health on Instagram, this was one of those lovely chats where the conversation meanders quite naturally from one topic to another. I could honestly have talked to Jo all day long if she'd let me. Anyway, enough of the fangirling. It's time to grab a cuppa and a comfy chair and listen to what I can only describe as my most personal podcast episode to date. So, Joe, thank you very much for agreeing to speak to me today. Um, let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how Instagram plays a part of that. Sure, thank you for having me. So, hello, I'm Jo. I run Mad and Sad Club, which was born about two and nearly two and a half years ago now, February 2019. So, before that, I worked in communications and had, like, you know, worked really hard and climbed the greasy pole and blah, blah, blah. And then I basically had like two breakdowns in 18 months and realized that I just couldn't continue to work and live and in the same way that I was and somehow maintained some semblance of a grip on sanity and happily my company was going through some changes so I got to take redundancy huzzah and yeah set up my business then to basically help people manage their mental health at work or through work mm-hmm. so I'm not a therapist or a clinician or a doctor I think that you know what you need for your mental health but what I help you do mm-hmm. is figure out how to give yourself that through work or within the way that you work and so like in the way that you structure your business or in the way that you kind of plan your time or the way that you set boundaries around the way that you work even the offers that you have that people can ways that people can work with you so yeah that's what I do now the job I made up and what part does Instagram play in my life and work so I would say that a large proportion of people who work with me find me through Instagram so it plays a kind of really important part in my business but I try to kind of keep it compartmentalized Mm -hmm. I have like quite sort of firm boundaries around the way that I engage with Instagram and also around the way that I work generally Mm -hmm. so yeah Instagram is an important part of my business it does make me feel a bit nervous that's that it's such an important marketing channel for me and it is something that I'm working on to like build my email community so that you know I'm not solely reliant on one place yeah yeah and there's always that fear that with Instagram that it's not yours it's yeah. like something could happen and yeah. it could yeah no I, I get that as well that kind of you you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket so to speak <laughs> yeah yeah you know when when I'm not in a good place mentally it's interesting like if, if I'm kind of sort of a little bit unwell then actually I find Instagram quite mm. a good place to be because I can be really honest with 
like the people in my space there and people are really supportive um but kind of if I dip a bit further than that then I feel that I can't be there because it feels too much kind of sensory Mm -hmm. for me and it feels a bit overwhelming so um yeah I also kind of and I think people are used to that now (laughs) like I'm not I'm not the sort of super consistent person like I'm consistently inconsistent like I do take breaks (laughs) from Instagram a lot whether for holiday or for illness and I think people kind of are used to that now but yeah that's definitely something that like plays on my mind it's it's interesting you say about sort of when you're a little bit not well it can be quite a positive place to be and but not so much when you become become more unwell I have a, a very similar experience mm. with Instagram as well. If, if I'm, um, if I'm not in a good place mentally, if it's just a little bit, if I'm just feeling a wee bit off or just like a bit more anxious than usual, yeah, I know I've got people there that mm. I can interact with and that will make me feel better. And yeah, it, I, yeah, that it's that kind of support. But if I'm really like, I have anxiety and OCD. Yeah. Um, so I if I'm really in a bad place with that that's Instagram feels like a I don't know it just if like you say it feels a bit much there's so so much going on there's so many things to look at and things to process and mm. for me it sort of, it sort of gives me loads of things to kind of worry about unnecessarily yeah yeah like I just start kind of seeing things I'm like should I be thinking about that or yeah like I've heard lots of people say and a friend of mine Fiona Thomas who wrote a memoir about mental health depression yeah. and digital age is her memoir and she yeah. um, you know talks about how positive Instagram is for her mental health mm-hmm. um and she's also super open and honest about when she's going through like a mm-hmm. difficult period with her mental health but yeah I find when I'm like when I'm really anxious it like it just gives too much input for my anxiety to latch mm. on to to be like I should be doing that why am I not doing that oh my god I'm doing it wrong uh-huh. like all of that stuff and then if yeah. I'm really low like it kind of when I'm really low like I just I, I can't read I can't make decisions you know I my your, your brain function mm. reduces and so I just yeah. don't feel like I have the brain function to interact with Instagram at that time um so yeah it is it's it's an interesting thing and like you know learning about how and noticing how different kind of parts of our lives now and the way that we live now like mm-hmm. interact with your mental health has been really like eye-opening for me especially over the last few years since I've run my own business yeah do you find that you have like certain accounts that you know that if you are if you're well you can tolerate them or or you like them but if when you become unwell you're like I, I can't that person I cannot deal with them or whatever content they're putting out yeah. I can't deal with it um yeah for I, me I very much find that <laughs> definitely and I think that's totally normal like for me I think it's kind of um people that I would kind of think of as being in the same sort of space as me so when I'm feeling mm-hmm. low or anxious like I mute loads of people I actually just unmuted a couple mm-hmm. of people because I'd had them muted for a couple of months because I have been feeling like not really unwell but like sort of 
mediocre low for the last few months uh-huh. and so I'd muted a few people and I actually mm-hmm. went and unmuted them the other day because I actually found myself searching out their content and looking for them but yeah I think that's mm-hmm. absolutely normal like even if you don't have kind of diagnosed or, or self-identified mental health stuff mm-hmm. you know sometimes you just don't want to see you know yeah content that makes you feel a bit shit and that's totally normal like I think make best friends with the mute button fine by me yeah yeah and how do you feel in terms of the way that Instagram works do you feel that it is set up to allow people to put those boundaries in place or do you feel that's something that they like they could do more uh, with um I personally think that Well, I think about it in two ways. Like at one end of the spectrum is kind of trolling. And we know that there's Mm -hmm. a lot more that, and, and, you know, abuse, emotional, mental abuse online. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's a lot more that Instagram could be doing there. For example, using the technology Mm -hmm. that they've clearly developed to identify when someone's sharing about coronavirus and putting a sticker and a swipe up there. you know, surely that's something about word recognition and, and that's something that they could use to identify when mm-hmm. people are um, being abused or, you know, sharing racist or misogynistic or pornographic yeah. content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole pornographic content thing is a totally different thing where Instagram is, you know, censoring uh-huh. bodies, but we won't go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think when it comes to setting and upholding your own boundaries on Instagram, I do actually think there's a that, that mm-hmm. it is set up for us to do that. I think what is important, though, is to think about well, the way I think about boundaries is in like three buckets. So like boundaries with yourself, mm-hmm. boundaries with people in your space and clients and colleagues and customers, and then boundaries mm-hmm. with the online world. So for example, I think, you know, if you know that you want to be spending less time on Instagram, then my biggest tip is move the app around on your phone because you have muscle memory (laughs) honestly do it and move it every couple of days and notice that your thumb goes automatically to where it thinks it should Uh be and yeah in that split second of your thumb scrolling to that place and realizing it isn't there Mm -hmm. it gives your brain time to kick in to be like oh actually I don't necessarily want to be there right now um but so boundaries with yourself when it comes to Instagram Mm -hmm. thinking about like why you want to be there when you want to be there what you want to be doing there and putting things in place to help you spend the time that you do want to be there like Mm -hmm. moving the app around like setting limits on the app usage I don't personally do that but what I do do is Mm -hmm. around all the time and I log out when I don't want to be mindlessly going in there because then yeah open the app on your phone it pops up and and it doesn't automatically open it makes you press login again and again then your brain kicks in and you're like do I actually want to be there um and then boundaries of people in your space like I would really recommend setting up a boundaries highlight you could call it start here or just boundaries or you know welcome and setting out kind of what people can expect from you and what you expect from them and what playing Mm -hmm. in your space is like so I do think there are lots of ways that we can set boundaries on Instagram but we kind of have to know what those boundaries need to be before we can like yeah 
yeah I know that certainly for when I'm I've decided I, I need to do like go and do some engagement and I want to go and look at people's content with a view to actually commenting and getting into conversations I know that I will very easily be distracted by reels because they're very quick to watch and you can just start scrolling and it's they really work don't they myself, so. <laughs> oh yeah like and then you're just like where did that last hour go I know <laughs> it's I know. so dangerous <laughs> I have like I, I know myself and I know that I have to take sort of put boundaries in place for myself to yeah. stop myself from just losing that time and like setting an alarm saying like I'm going to be doing this for 15 minutes I've got 15 minutes to do this just now so once that alarm goes that's it I don't have time after that I've got other things to do other things that needs need my attention but that's taken me till quite recently to put that in place and sort yeah. of see yeah. where my boundaries boundaries are for like what yeah. I need to do and I think um, that's totally natural like I think we don't know what we want our boundaries to be until they've been crossed so until you feel mm -hmm. that like oh that doesn't feel very good feeling like yeah. that feeling or like that kind of cross feeling or like mm, that sort of icky feeling like that's an indication uh -huh. that your boundary has been crossed like if you receive an email mm -hmm. like today I got a message from my landlord asking me to do something about my flat that he really should be doing and I was like that's yeah. a boundary being crossed <laughs> or yeah you know if you if you don't like to or want to be on instagram in the evenings and that's a boundary that you've set for yourself mm -hmm. and someone perhaps sends you a message in the evening and then chases it up in the morning like i would imagine for a lot of us yeah. that would feel icky that's a boundary being crossed but in that instance yeah. but in that if you haven't kind of set that boundary clearly so that people understand it and know what to expect from you mm -hmm. then it is quite likely that that boundary is going to be crossed so that's when i would suggest like having a re really clear boundaries highlight regularly sharing posts on mm -hmm. your grid that set out what your boundaries are doing a reel about it like sharing content that and even in the marketing of like your services and products sharing content mm -hmm. that sets your boundaries it's like managing expectations preemptively yeah that i i really like that i particularly the idea of like the I think I'm definitely going to go and put a boundaries highlight in because again I try not to be on Instagram at the weekends that's my time I've got an almost seven-year-old again there's certain times in the afternoon so I will not book any appointments beyond two o'clock because I know that I have to go and do the school run at three and we've got homework to do and we've got like there's other stuff that needs yeah. to be done yeah I know those time boundaries for myself but I think yeah I need to put a, a highlight out there that just sort of makes it very clear that this is yeah. like for me my work day is half nine till half two and then I will do some work in the evenings if I want to also I love that like this is one of the things about boundaries that I'm like boundaries has kind of like become the thing that I talk about all the time but this it's like so <laughs> fundamental so anyone who's listening to this who's ever worked with me or listened to one of my lives will probably like roll their eyes now because I'm going to say the thing that I always say but <laughs> Glennon Doyle's book Untamed blew my tiny mind 
like blows my mind every day but what she says in there and she's not talking specifically about boundaries but i think it totally totally relates to that is that as women we have this kind of we've been told this lie that doing what is right Mm -hmm. for us is bad for others and that doing what's right for us means compromise for other people and that i think that is so how we feel about boundaries we feel really bad about saying no to someone or saying that doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. or saying i don't actually want to do that thank you for the opportunity though because we've been you know for millennia women have been you know bred to be pliant and kind and and to understand that our security our safety relies on us being that way so that we can you know have a partnership with a man to keep us safe um that's that's like the reality of of the role of women over millennia um and just just to bring it back down to earth again um when when it comes to boundaries and what glennon doyle basically says is But we're told this lie that doing what's good for us is wrong for other people and is bad for other people. But actually, the reality is that by doing what is right for us, we show everyone around us who sees us doing that, that it's possible for them to Mm -hmm. do it too. And for you to put a highlight on your Instagram about your boundaries and to say, my working day is 9.30 to 2.30, so you won't see me here outside of those times. Um, And I might take a bit longer Mm -hmm. than you expect to get back to you. Mm-hmm. I bet you other mums or other people who have caring responsibilities or who, you know, want to spend their afternoons at the beach or whatever might see that and think, maybe I yeah. could my business between half nine and half two as well. And it creates this amazing ripple yeah. effect that someone sees not only that they can also set their boundaries clearly, openly for everyone to mm-hmm. see, but that the way you run your business might be inspiring to other people that they might never have heard or seen before. Um so yeah. I think, yeah, we're taught that, that we shouldn't say no or not like that or not today, thank you. But actually by doing that, uh-huh. we show everyone else that they can do it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, we're sort of pre, pre-programmed to, to, say, to say yes to, like somebody needs something, we say yes. And it takes a lot of work to get out of that yeah that mindset doesn't it it's yeah yeah certainly when I was still teaching that was I was always I was was a nightmare for always just saying agreeing to things like could you do this Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah and it's something that I have to be very very careful about now yeah um, because yeah you need to look after yourself as and in order to be able to help up to look after other people yeah absolutely else yeah and i think those of us with anxiety or or even you know those of us with chronic health conditions or beautiful Mm -hmm. neurodiverse brains like often we think we need to say yes to everything in an employed situation Mm -hmm. to prove that we are good enough or worthy or that it doesn't matter that we've got anxiety or ocd or bpd or adhd or any Mm -hmm. other beautiful acronym Uh Um, It doesn't matter that we have those things because we will still get the job done. And what that often Mm -hmm. leads to is us saying yes to everything and, you know, overworking and Mm -hmm. making ourselves more ill. And that is rewarded in the employed workplace and often is rewarded Mm -hmm. in the self-employed life as well. Overworking is often, you know, deified and it's really really unhealthy and especially for those of us who you know have mental physical health conditions 
it's really unhealthy and potentially really damaging to our health. So, you know, when I say things like, you know, I have these boundaries about the way I work, it is, yes, it's because that's the way I want to work, but that's also the way that I know I need to work to keep myself healthy uh, or as vaguely healthy yeah. as I can be. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just the whole like hustle culture, the, the, oh, yeah. you know, do, just doing this bit of work on a Sunday, like that's fine if you decide that you genuinely mm-hmm. want to work on a Sunday, but if you're thinking you need to work on a Sunday to prove yourself to make up the time to mm-hmm. get ahead for the week that's not genuinely wanting to work on a sunday that's like ingrained yeah. unhealthy behavior yeah i i certainly see that a lot I mean, you, you see it a lot just generally on instagram that kind of yeah. real kind of hustle culture and certainly among social media managers there's a lot of this kind of like i grew my account however many thousands in 30 days and then you look at how they did it and you're like, there's no way that's sustainable. No. It's that constant grind, just never stopping. Mm. And when I first started, so I started this business in April last year and I was like, I need to be posting every day. I need to be there every day. And I think I lasted a couple of months. Good and, I was, getting, and I was getting to the point where I was just like, I'm exhausted like I actually like even trying to decide what to post was becoming really difficult because I was just I was just having to like grab at things all the time rather than being really intentional about what I put Mm. out there and and so yeah I decided that I would just cut it down to weekdays recently it's been I'm not taking any of my own advice at the moment Um, (laughs) but it has been when when I'm able to and when I and sometimes when I feel able to there's been some days where I just knowing that if I post there's going to be I'm going to have to reply to comments I'm going to have to do all that kind of other stuff with it and I just don't feel that I have the energy or the um like the mental energy to actually deal with it um and so yeah I I don't beat myself up about it now and I'm just like when I'm here I'm here and that's yeah and that's all good (laughs) and you know what again I think that that's really relatable to everyone to Mm -hmm. hear that you know that you post when you feel energetically and mentally able to because there will Mm -hmm. be so many of us out there who feel the same Mm -hmm. like I when I was employed in my communications career and you know for that whole time basically I had like latent mental health issues that had gone undiagnosed Mm -hmm. and that I had you know that my way of working had um Mm -hmm. made worse for like a decade one of my what I now recognize as coping mechanisms was being hyper organized whereas now and actually really only in the last sort of year have I come to recognize Mm -hmm. this that that was a coping mechanism and now I actually find it quite triggering because it reminds me of that period of my life long period of my life where I had to 
be very rigid about my planning and my way mm. of working as a way of keeping my anxiety in check and now I find like too much planning really triggering so I did a read about it on my Instagram but my way of planning and planning content is very low tech and very unimpressive it's basically like post-it notes on a big whiteboard bit of paper that I move around uh-huh. um so yeah I I said it before I'm like consistently inconsistent I'm not a kind of (laughs) I post on a Monday Wednesday and Friday kind of gal (laughs) yeah I think is I do that with like with my clients I'm just like yeah we're posting on yeah these days and that's fine but then for me it's just I know where I want my content to go next and the days that it happens on are a little bit more flexible yeah um and I don't I think the big thing about it now is I don't beat myself up about it because for ages I did if I missed one day I was just it was like the end of the world like this is I'm never going to make anything of this business this is just an absolute disaster and then and then it becomes more difficult to then go back and start posting again because you just got that kind of really defeatist attitude and now I'm just a bit like it's it's one day it's okay it's fine and if it ends up being a week then that's fine too yeah and it'll come back and but yeah I tend to use the mute button with a lot of these ones where it's just like you have to be posting constantly in order to be successful and you can't be successful unless you're doing that and I'm just thinking that's okay you you can (laughs) if you want to do that that's that's your thing Um, but that is not how I not how I work at all (laughs) And I'm so glad to hear that you don't beat yourself up about it anymore and that you kind of let that unfold as it will. Like, I think it's really, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to hear you kind of talk about that thought pattern that went on when you might previously have missed days posting Mm -hmm. and that your, your kind of anxiety brain then kicks in telling you all these awful things. And that's where I think it's so interesting to see how our mental health interacts with our work, because we might know Mm. that our anxiety or our OCD or whatever might give us intrusive thoughts in our Mm. life. But often we haven't really examined how that manifests in a working situation. And so when we notice that, we can be aware that like, okay, that's just that's just an intrusive thought. That's just. an anxiety thought that's not Mm -hmm. that's not what I choose to listen to that's not what my reality is and yeah I just love that about the work that I get to do now is like helping people kind of notice where their mental health that they've often done a lot of work on in a kind of life setting is manifesting Mm -hmm. in their work yeah no um I'm definitely a lot more aware of that for myself now it's um, that little the little voice that sort of like is co- this sort of constant criticism for me I call him Cedric he's uh, <laughs> like him. He's, he's the best um it's also a really good way to explain it to my daughter so she knows that yeah. Cedric just makes things a bit more difficult and we tell him to be quiet <laughs> such a twat such a um, twat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's just it's like when I get an email from a client and I'm just like oh my goodness they're going to complain they're complaining about something think I've done uh-huh. something terrible and then you're just like, no, shut up, Cedric. That's that, yeah. that's you. That's not me. That's, yeah, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's always my go-to response when I get yes. an email. I'm like, oh, oh done yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, definitely same. And 
sorry yeah. go on. and it's only recently that I've realized that I've always done that like even again through my like I always just be terrified of like when I was teaching of the head teacher appearing in my room and wanting to speak to me because I was like what have I done wrong she's gonna fire me <laughs> who's complained yeah <laughs> and I was like that's it um, <laughs> um so yeah it's I think being aware of how that kind of manifests in your work makes it a lot yeah a lot easier to deal with it and sort yeah. of keep it in check a bit more yeah and often use you know the coping mechanisms the healthy ones not the, the bad mm. ones like overworking and control <laughs> um, use the those healthy useful supportive coping mechanisms that you've learned through mm -hmm. you know managing and dealing with your mental health kind of in general mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. adapting those for for the work situation um yeah, yeah it's it's bloody great getting to work with pals like us <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, that's the thing I now try and see my mental health as it's it's a part of the way I work and it helps me work the way I I work and act, so actually I, I try and use it to my benefit it's just the way my brain works and, yeah. and I, I can I can make it do positive things when I when I can control the rest of it <laughs> the yeah. negative stuff part of it so and you know, like, I think that's it, whatever kind of, you know, if you have a chronic health condition or a mental health condition or ADHD, or if you're autistic or whatever you have going mm -hmm. on, I think learning that you don't have to push against that and that actually you mm -hmm. can accept that and say, this is just the way that I work. This is the way that my brain works. And this is the way that I want yeah. to work because of that. You know, I work with quite a few pals with ADHD or, or who are autistic and you know listening to what works for them and what doesn't work for them and then you know recognizing that okay well we don't have to work that way you can work mm -hmm. the way that you want to and that feels good for you and that doesn't feel like pushing treacle uphill yeah um, and I think often you know even you know those of us who are neurotypical you know in the in the like employed world you're often told in your like end of year review or whatever mm. oh you're great with words and you're really articulate but you're really not so good with numbers so we're going to send you on a course to make you better with numbers because you need to be a well-rounded mm -hmm. professional but you can just be the person that you are like you don't have yeah. to be good with numbers and words like that's why we have uh -huh. bookkeepers and amazing vas who are great at numbers yeah if you don't like doing phone calls or video calls because they're kind of like overstimulating you don't know how to get into the conversation mm -hmm. then you don't have to do that we can do things differently we can run things through a network a, an online network or you could do audio courses or you know that that leaning yeah. into you and accepting the way that your brain works is like magical it's one thing that i hope that this business world in general will pick up on at some point is that if they make small concessions to allow people to work in a way that works for them that they'll actually be more productive mm -hmm, <laughs> and that it'll yeah. actually be of benefit to everybody and it, it goes for so many things like allowing more flexible ways of working and I think that's changing because of the, the pandemic and everything but I think particularly things like mental health where it could actually just be really small concessions and just small changes to the way that people work 
that would allow them to still be a great asset to yeah. a business and, and, and work to their potential um, and, rather than just feeling um, like they can't do it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not to get all legally about it, but under the Equalities Act, the, an employer has mm-hmm. to give you reasonable adjustments to your work if you are considered as having a disability due to your mental health, which not, we mm-hmm. might not want to, you know, apply that label to ourselves. But what that means for people with mental health issues is if you have had a mental health issue that has lasted or is likely to last for 12 months or more, which for those of us with kind of Mm -hmm. ongoing anxiety and depression is true. And if that condition can affect your day-to-day life, which for those of us with similar um, Mm -hmm. things to you and I is true, even if you were on medication or seeing a therapist or in remission, that means that you, under the Equalities Act, you are seen as having a disability due to your mental health. And therefore Mm -hmm. your employer has a legal obligation to put in place reasonable adjustments to the way that you work so you're not asking for the world to ask to work for part of the week or slightly change your hours or slightly change your duties that is your legal right to ask for those changes yeah I'm hoping that people are starting to be more aware of the fact that that those that it's okay to kind of say look I I need these concessions I have I have a right to these concessions certainly um I'm about to sort of talk about stuff that I don't usually talk about <laughs> um so I left I, I left teaching because of my mental health um I didn't tell anyone that it was because of my mental health I didn't ask for any help I didn't want to be labeled as having mental health issues um I decided that if I left teaching I would be better it would be fine that that would that would solve it and it didn't (laughs) it really didn't and I was just like how long can I keep this quiet for Mm. but yeah there's little things that if if I had asked for help I know that the school could have done for me and would have done for me so I do feel really strongly about sort of people having that kind of support within their workplace to be able to still work to their full potential even when they are dealing with other stuff yeah um like you say sort of shifting their duties shifting their hours like it's it's totally possible yeah it really is and it's yeah it's something that you have a legal entitlement to it's Mm. just that a lot of organizations are not good at knowing their legal obligations when it comes to mental health or at offering those things or supporting people in those ways there's like a really horribly shocking statistic that's like I think it's 51% of people with mental health issues long-term mental health issues fall out of the the workplace and basically don't work and so you know if an employer is willing to or if an employer understands their legal obligations and does what they're legally yeah. required to do to support someone to work. Yeah. Or if we, you know, as self-employed people, as business owners, recognize that we also have legal obligations to ourselves to say, mm-hmm. I need to take, I need to work half days because that's all I have the mental capacity to do at the moment. Or I mm-hmm. need to put these boundaries in place with my clients or with the way that I interact online mm-hmm. so that I can protect my mental health. Then we can support ourselves to build a more sustainable business and do what we want to do with that yeah business. yeah yeah and 
Yeah, and it's that is quite a shocking statistic that it's as and I knew it would be quite a high percentage, but it is quite a shocking one. And I think as well, like when you end up not working because of your mental health, again, that then has like a further impact that yeah. you yeah. you don't feel useful. Definitely. It is an awful statistic, but I can as someone who was signed off work for three months with my mental health, I can totally see why it is that high because it is mm -hmm. it is so so hard to contemplate going back to work after being mm -hmm. off with your mental health even for a short period of time never mind a long one mm -hmm. um because you think everyone will know everyone will stare at you everyone will think that you're crap at your job everyone will think that they have to like you know do extra work to make up for you not mm -hmm. being able to do things all these mad anxiety thoughts mm -hmm. so i can totally totally see why you know people either aren't able to go back to the role that they were in and the company doesn't make concessions to allow them to go back into the workplace or they just don't feel able to like mm -hmm. get back into work because it's too scary yeah no totally um do you feel the conversation around mental health generally it has changed over the last five ten years um I definitely do I but I feel like it's gone from something that isn't really talked about openly even in the last five years mm -hmm. I would say to the narrative mm -hmm. being very much about it's okay not to be okay whereas the narrative mm -hmm. I think needs to be about this is how we can support you. In the UK, yeah. it's incredibly hard to get access to mental health services because they're so overstretched. Yeah. For those of us who can afford to pay for it privately, it's, it's you know, mm -hmm. access is possible. But for those of us who can't, you can be waiting years to get access to talking therapy, which means that you're in a perpetual state of almost crisis for a really long time. Um, and yeah. like like we've both experienced you know like trying to manage a mental health condition or mental complex mental health conditions in while also attempting to stay in work is incredibly difficult mm -hmm. and i think the narrative of it's okay not to be okay for me kind of perpetuates this idea that you know depression or anxiety or mental health issues are a kind of short-term thing that you'll recover from and for me that hasn't been my experience it's just yeah. at different levels over time and you know for mm -hmm. for those of us with long term you know not even long term but you know conditions or experiences that aren't going to go away okay yeah i'm not okay so what do mm -hmm. i do now how are you going to help me support my yeah. how how yeah. are you going to support me yeah. to look after my mental health that's where the conversation needs to be, mm -hmm. I think. Whereas at the moment, it yeah. kind of says like, oh, it's okay if you're not okay. Just be quiet for the day. Maybe take a day off. Okay, but I have a, a complex mental health condition that is never going to go away. So mm -hmm. I'm not okay for the next two years. How how are you going to help me to stay in yeah. the while that happens? Yeah, no, totally. It's It definitely feels like it's got a way to go. I am glad that people are talking about it more because I, I do remember from maybe like 20 odd years ago that my mum my has, has mental health issues as well, quite complex ones. And I remember not 
really knowing if I could talk to anyone about it yeah. because how do you explain that's happening and yeah, yeah. nobody could really knew how to talk yeah, about yeah. it at all whereas like as I say I'm very open with with my daughter she knows that like I take my medication and it helps to keep Cedric quiet and we just try and tell him to, to shut up <laughs> and she knows that if there's certain things that I find quite uh that make me feel very anxious yeah um and so she knows to just kind of give me a wee bit of space with that and that I'll, I'll get there and we'll be okay but yeah like you say it's okay it's okay for to to be to be not okay but yeah what next like yeah. what else is gonna help yeah that you have that kind of day-to-day just just norm sort of sense of normality yeah uh, I suppose let's just take a minute for how like amazingly empathetic your daughter is going to be and how amazingly understanding you're like bringing up your daughter to be to know that like you know if you're poorly you'd have to take medicine whether you're poorly with your brain or your leg or your tummy and that you know yeah if someone is poorly with their brain and just needs to not talk about that thing or like have a bit more time before they get on the bus or um mm-hmm. you know to to quietly or whatever it is that, that that's just normal and that's okay like how amazing yeah. is that like how amazing what a brilliant amazing thing that that brings to your family and like your your parenting and often the sort of dialogue that we hear in society or in the papers is about you know how you know the extreme cases where people have been Mm -hmm. you know denied access to their children because of mental health issues but like look Mm -hmm. how amazing how amazing what amazing things it adds to your parenting and your daughter's experience of growing up yeah and I think a lot of it came from my experience of growing up with my mum and not really understanding what was happening and I was actually I was a bit older than she is when I became aware that my mum wasn't well Mm. But I still didn't understand it and I didn't yeah. know how to talk about it. And, and that kind of really was quite a difficult thing for me to try and get my head around a lot of the time. And so I became quite unwell when she was about three. And obviously at that point she was a bit too too young. And also I, I just couldn't talk about it at the yeah. time. And but as she's got a bit older, yeah, I've just I just want her to understand that sometimes illnesses are physical and it's our body that needs that support from medicine and from doctors and things like that and sometimes it's our mind and it's the same process it's appointments with the doctor with sort of mental health services it's it's medication it's finding ways to manage that um, in the same way that you would with a, a physical illness and yeah. I hope that that will help her just feel a bit more in control of what's going on because she's not going to be wondering what on earth yeah like what on earth's going on it would just be normal to her you know yeah it'd be totally normal so. which is like you know the the whole thing about stigma is that it keeps us silent and it keeps us iller mm-hmm. for longer and it makes it more yeah. likely that you know people will get to crisis point before reaching for help and support and even at that mm-hmm. point we'll find it really hard to seek Mm -hmm. that help because they're so weighed down by the stigma of you know the idea of having a mental health issue um 
I read this book by Satnam Sanghera, The Boy with the Top Knot. It's his memoir of his kind of childhood and going into right. his 20s. Uh-huh. And he's from a South Asian family. And his father, mm-hmm. who came to the UK from Bangladesh, I want to say, um, had schizophrenia, but he never mm-hmm. was aware of that until he was in his 20s or his 30s. Um mm-hmm. And it wasn't really talked about and his dad did get some support, but not all the support that he could have done. And that, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, um, inability to talk about things due to the weight of stigma of mental health issues, you know, has stops Mm -hmm. people from getting the help that they need and the understanding that they deserve. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And hopefully as the younger generation comes up hopefully they will have a bit more of an understanding of Mm. just emotions in general and how to manage that and yeah how to kind of cope with with the sort of changes in emotion um and that's as I say it's certainly it's a big part of my my parenting is it's just trying to give give her the the tools to kind of Mm. deal with these things when she as she grows up yeah hopefully it'll work (laughs) sounds like it's working great (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this has just become like a bit of a therapy session for me (laughs) I feel a bit like that for me too I hope that's okay (laughs) that's absolutely fine it's been great it's been really good um yeah we've kind of veered a wee bit off Instagram but that is absolutely fine I think boundaries and mental health and all these things in general just they're so important to talk about and it's it's good to get a chance to chat to someone about it um and uh yeah it's it's been really good yeah oh <laughs> um, I've loved it thank you for having me so if people want to find you on Instagram where do they where do they need to go yes um so i am mad and sad club all spelled out not the ampersand and actually mm-hmm. on the topic of boundaries i am releasing a boundaries bundle in mid-september where basically it'll be done for you templates of boundary setting copy for like your email and your website and your client agreements and your boundaries highlight on instagram so if you know you want to set boundaries but you're not really sure how to say the words um then you can just kind of like copy and paste mm-hmm. this and add some words in to make it work for you sounds brilliant well, thank, thank you. you so much for talking to me today it's been really good yeah i think that it'd be really exciting to see the boundaries bundle um because that's i think that's that's something that's gonna be really helpful to a lot of people thank you thanks so much for having me So there we have it. And if you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at the content muse, or you can drop me an email on kaylee at thecontentmuse.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that you will join me next time when we once again go behind the gram.